Section 24 of The Glories of Mary by St. Alphonsus Liguri. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 2, which treats of her principal festivals, of her dolors in general, and of each of her seven dolors in particular, of her virtues, and lastly, of devotion to be practiced in her honor. Discourses on the seven principal feasts of Mary and her dolors discourse one on the immaculate conception of mary how befitting it was to all three of the divine persons that mary should be preserved from original sin the ruin was great which a cursed sin brought upon adam and the whole human race for when he unhappily lost grace he at the same time lost the other blessings with which in the beginning he was enriched and drew upon himself and upon all his descendants both the displeasure of god and all other evils but god ordained that the blessed virgin should be exempt from this common calamity for he had destined her to be the mother of the second adam jesus christ who was to repair the injury done by the first now let us see how befitting it was that the three divine persons should preserve this virgin from original sin we shall see that it was befitting the father to preserve her from it as his daughter the son as his mother and the holy spirit as his spouse first point in the first place it was fitting that the eternal father should create mary free from the original stain because she was his daughter and his firstborn daughter as she herself attests i came out of the mouth of the most high the firstborn before all creatures for this passage is applied to mary by the sacred interpreters by the holy fathers and by the church herself on the solemn festival of her conception whether she be the firstborn on account of her predestination together with her son in the divine decrees before all creatures as the school of the scottists will have it or the firstborn of grace as predestined to be the mother of the redeemer after the prevision of sin according to the school of the thomas all agree in calling her the firstborn of god which being the case it was not meet that mary should be the slave of lucifer but that she should only and always be possessed by her creator as she herself asserts the lord possessed me in the beginning of his ways hence mary was rightly called by dionysius archbishop of alexandria one and sole daughter of life una et sola filia vitae differing in this from others who being born in sin are daughters of death moreover it was meet that the eternal father should create her in his grace since he destined her for the restorer of the lost world and mediatrix of peace between man and god and thus the holy fathers name her and especially st john damascene who thus addresses her o blessed virgin thou art born to procure the salvation of the whole world st bernard says that mary was already prefigured in the ark of noah for as by the ark men were saved from the deluge so by mary we are saved from the shipwreck of sin but with this difference that by means of the ark few only were saved but by means of mary the whole human race has been redeemed hence it is that mary is called by saint athanasius the new eve the mother of life nova eva mater vitae 
a new eve because the first was a mother of death but the most holy virgin is the mother of life saint theophanes bishop of nice exclaims hail to thee who hast taken away the sorrow of eve saint basil calls her the peacemaker between god and men saint ephraim the peacemaker of the whole world now certainly he who treats of peace should not be an enemy of the offended person still less an accomplice of his crime saint gregory says that to appease the judge his enemy certainly must not be chosen for instead of appeasing him he would enrage him more therefore as mary was to be the mediatrix of peace between god and man there was every reason why she should not appear as a sinner and enemy of god but as his friend and pure from sin besides it was fitting that god should preserve her from original sin since he destined her to bruise the head of the infernal serpent who by seducing our first parents brought death upon all men as our lord predicted i will put enmities between thee and the woman and thy seed and her seed she shall crush thy head now if mary was to be the strong woman brought into the world to crush lucifer surely it was not fitting that she should first be conquered by lucifer and made his slave but rather that she should be free from every stain and from all subjection to the enemy as he had in his pride already corrupted the whole human race he would also corrupt the pure soul of this virgin but may the divine goodness be ever praised who prevented her with so much grace to the end that remaining free from every stain of sin she could overthrow and confound his pride as saint augustine says or whoever may have been the author of that commentary upon genesis as the devil was the head from whence original sin proceeded that head mary crushed because no sin ever entered the soul of the virgin and therefore she was free from all stain saint bonaventure still more clearly expresses the same it was meet that the blessed virgin by whom our shame was to be removed should conquer the devil and there she should not yield to him in the least degree but it was especially fitting that the eternal father should preserve his daughter from the sins of adam because he destined her for the mother of his only begotten son thou wast preordained in the mind of god before every creature to bring forth god himself made man if for no other reason then at least for the honor of his son who was god the father would create her pure from every stain the angelic doctor st thomas says that all things ordained by god must be holy and pure from every defilement if david when he was planning the temple of jerusalem with a magnificence worthy the lord said not for man a house is prepared but for god now how much greater cause have we to believe that the great creator having destined mary to be the mother of his own son would adorn her soul with every grace that it might be a worthy habitation for god god the creator of all things affirms blessed denis the carthusian about to construct a worthy habitation for his son adorned her with all pleasing gifts and the holy church herself assures us of this when she affirms that god prepared the body and soul of the virgin to be on earth a habitation worthy of his only begotten son omnipotent eternal god thus the holy church prays who by the cooperation of the holy ghost didst prepare the body and soul of the glorious virgin mother that she might become a worthy habitation for thy son
etc. It is acknowledged to be the greatest glory of sons, to be born of noble parents. The glory of children are their fathers. Gloria filiorum, patris eorum. So that in the world the imputation of small fortune and little science is more endurable than that of low birth. For the poor man may become rich by industry, the ignorant learned by study, but he who is of low birth can hardly become noble. And if ever this occurs, the old and original reproach is liable always to be revived. How can we then believe that God, when he was able to give his son a noble mother, by preserving her from sin, would have consented that he should be born of a mother defiled with sin, and permit Lucifer to reproach him with the opprobrium of being born of a mother who was once his slave and an enemy of God. No, the Lord has not permitted this, but he has well provided for the honor of his son, by ordaining that his mother should always be immaculate, that she might be a fit mother for such a son. The Greek church confirms this. By a singular providence, God ordained that the most holy virgin should be perfectly pure from the very beginning of her life, as was becoming her who was to be a mother worthy of Christ. It is a common axiom among theologians that no gift has ever been granted to any creature with which the Blessed Virgin was not also enriched. St. Bernard thus expresses it. We certainly cannot suspect that what has been bestowed on the chosen among mortals should be withheld from the blessed virgin and st thomas of villanova says nothing was ever given to any of the saints that did not shine more preeminently in mary from the beginning of her life and if it be true according to the celebrated saying of st john damascene that there is an infinite distance between the mother of god and the servants of god it certainly must be supposed as st thomas teaches that god has conferred greater graces of every kind on the mother than on the servants now asks st anselm the great defender of the privileges of the immaculate mary this being granted was the wisdom of god unable to prepare a pure abode for his son free from every human stain has it been in the power of god continues st anselm to preserve the angels of heaven unstained amidst the ruin of so many and could he not preserve the mother of his son and the queen of angels from the common fall of man could god i add give the grace even to an eve to come into the world immaculate and afterwards be unable to bestow it on mary ah no god could do it and has done it since it was altogether fitting as the above-named saint anselm says that this virgin to whom god was to give his only son should be adorned with such purity that it not only should surpass the purity of all men and of all angels but should be second in greatness only to that of god and still more plainly does st john damascene declare that he preserved the soul as well as the body of this virgin as beseemed her who was about to receive god into her womb for he being holy dwells only with the holy Thus the Eternal Father could say to this beloved daughter, As the lily among the thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Daughter among all my other daughters, thou art like a lily among thorns, for they are all stained by sin, but thou wert ever immaculate and ever my friend. Second point. 
in the second place it was befitting the son that mary as his mother should be preserved from sin it is not permitted to other children to select a mother according to their good pleasure but if this were ever granted to any one who would ever choose a slave for his mother when he might have a queen who a peasant when he might have a noble who an enemy of god when he might have a friend of god if then the son of god alone could select a mother according to his pleasure it must be considered as certain that he would choose one befitting a god thus saint bernard expresses it the creator of man to be born of man must choose such a mother for himself as he knew to be most fit and as it was indeed fitting that a most pure god should have a mother pure from all stain such was she created as saint bernardine of siena says in these words the third kind of sanctification is that which is called maternal and this removes every stain of original sin this was in the blessed virgin god indeed created her by the nobility of her nature as well as by the perfection of grace such as it was befitting that his mother should be and here the words of the apostle may be applied for it was fitting that we should have such a high priest holy innocent undefiled separated from sinners etc here a learned author remarks that according to st paul it was meet that our redeemer should not only be separated from sin but also from sinners as st thomas explains it it was meet that he who came to take away sins should be separate from sinners as far as concerns the sin of which adam was guilty but how could it be said of jesus christ that he was separated from sinners if his mother was a sinner saint ambrose says not from earth but from heaven christ selected this vessel through which he should descend and consecrated the temple of modesty the saint alludes to the words of saint paul the first man was of the earth earthy the second man from heaven heavenly saint ambrose calls the divine mother a celestial vessel not that mary was other than earthly in her nature as heretics have sometimes fancied but celestial through grace for she was superior to the angels of heaven in sanctity and purity as it was meet she should be when a king of glory was to dwell in her womb as john the baptist revealed to saint bridget it was befitting the king of glory to remain in no vessel but one purer and more select than all angels and men to which we may add what the eternal father himself said to the same saint mary was a clean and an unclean vessel clean because she was wholly fair but unclean because she was born of sinners although she was conceived without sin that my son should be born without sin and these last words are worthy of note that mary was conceived without sin so that the divine son might be conceived without sin not that jesus christ could be capable of contracting sin but that he might not suffer the opprobrium of having a mother infected with sin and a slave of the devil the holy spirit says that the honor of the father is the glory of the son and the dishonor of the father is the shame of the son and saint augustine says that jesus preserved the body of mary from being corrupted after death since it would have dishonored him if corruption had destroyed that virginal flesh from which he had clothed himself corruption is the reproach of the human condition from which the nature of mary was exempted 
in order that Jesus might be exempted from it, for the flesh of Jesus is the flesh of Mary. Now, if it were a dishonor for Jesus Christ to be born of a mother whose body was subject to the corruption of the flesh, how much greater would be the shame had he been born of a mother whose soul was corrupted by sin? Moreover, as it is true that the flesh of Jesus is the same as that of Mary, in such a manner, as the saint himself here adds, that the flesh of the Savior after his resurrection was the very same which he received from his mother. Therefore St. Arnold of Carnotensis says, The flesh of Mary and of Christ is one, and hence I esteem the glory of the Son to be not so much common to both as the same. Now this being true, if the Blessed Virgin had been conceived in sin, although the Son had not contracted the stain of sin, yet there would always have been a certain stain from the union of himself with flesh once infected by guilt, a vessel of uncleanness and a slave of Lucifer. Mary was not only the mother, but a worthy mother of the Savior. Thus all the holy fathers name her. St. Bernard says, Thou alone hast been found worthy, that in thy virginal hall the king of kings should choose his first mansion. And St. Thomas of Villanova, before she had conceived, she was fitted to be the mother of God. The Holy Church herself attests that the Virgin merited to be the mother of Jesus Christ. Explaining which passage, St. Thomas of Aquinas remarks, that Mary could not merit the incarnation of the Word, but with divine grace she merited such perfection as would render her worthy to become the mother of a God, as St. Peter Damian also writes. Her singular sanctity merited, out of pure grace, that she should alone be judged worthy to receive a God. Now this being granted, that Mary was a mother worthy of God, what excellency and what perfection, says St. Thomas of Villanova, were befitting her. The same angelic doctor declares, that when God elects anyone to a certain dignity, he also fits him for it. Hence, he says, that God having chosen Mary for his mother, certainly rendered her worthy of it by his grace, according to what the angels said to her. Thou hast found grace with God, behold, thou shalt conceive, etc. And from this the saint infers that the virgin never committed any actual sin, not even a venial sin. Otherwise, he says, she would not have been a worthy mother of Jesus Christ, since the ignominy of the mother would also be that of the son, if his mother had been a sinner. Now if Mary, by committing only one venial offense, which does not deprive the soul of divine grace, might be said not to have been a worthy mother of God, how much more if she had been stained with original sin, which would have rendered her an enemy of God, and a slave of the devil? Therefore St. Augustine says, in a celebrated passage of his writings, that speaking of Mary, he would make no mention of sins, for the honor of that Lord whom she merited for her son, and through whom she had the grace to conquer sin in every way. We should therefore hold it for certain, that the incarnate word selected for himself a befitting mother, and one of whom he need not be ashamed, as St. Peter Damian expresses it, and also St. Proculus. He inhabited those bowels which he had created, so as to be free from any mark of infamy. Jesus felt it no reproach to hear himself called, by the Jews, the son of a poor woman. Is not his mother called Mary? 
for he came on earth to give an example of humility and patience but on the other hand it would doubtless have been a reproach to him if it could have been said by the demons was he not born from a mother who was a sinner and once our slave it would be considered most unfit that jesus christ should have been born of a woman deformed and maimed in body or possessed by evil spirits but how much more unseemly that he should be born of a woman once deformed in soul and possessed by lucifer ah that god who is wisdom itself well knew how to prepare upon the earth a fitting dwelling for him to inhabit wisdom hath built herself a house the most high hath sanctified his own tabernacle god will help it in the morning early the lord says david sanctified this his habitation in the morning early that is from the beginning of her life to render her worthy of himself for it was not befitting a god who is holy to select a house that was not holy holiness becometh thy house domum tuum decet sanctitudo and if he himself declares that he will never enter into a malicious soul and into a body subject to sins how can we think that the son of god would have chosen to inhabit the soul and body of mary without first sanctifying her and preserving her from every stain of sin for as st thomas teaches us the eternal word inhabited not only the soul but the body of mary the church also sings o lord thou didst not shrink from the virgin's womb non horusti virginis uterum indeed a god would have shrunk from incarnating himself in the womb of an agnes of a gertrude of a teresa since those virgins although holy were for a time stained with original sin but he did not shrink from becoming man in the womb of mary because this chosen virgin was always pure from every guilt and never possessed by the infernal serpent hence saint augustine wrote the son of god has built himself no house more worthy than mary who was never taken by the enemy nor robbed of her ornaments on the other hand saint cyril of alexandria says who has ever heard of an architect building a house for his own use and then giving the first possession of it to his greatest enemy certainly our lord who as saint methodius declares gave us the command to honor our parents would not fail when he became man like ourselves to observe it himself by bestowing on his mother every grace and honor hence saint augustine says that we must certainly believe that jesus christ preserved from corruption the body of mary after death as it has been said above for if he had not done so he would not have observed the law which as it commands respect to the mother so it condemns disrespect how much less mindful would jesus have been of the honor of his mother if he had not preserved her from the stain of adam that son would indeed commit a sin says father thomas d'argentina an augustinian who being able to preserve his mother from original sin should not do so now that which would be sinful in us says the same author cannot be esteemed befitting the son of god namely if he should not have created his mother immaculate when he was able to do so ah no exclaims jerson since thou the supreme prince dost wish to have a mother honor will certainly be due to her from thee but this law will not appear well fulfilled if thou shouldst permit her 
who was to be the dwelling of all purity, to fall into the abomination of original sin. Moreover, the divine Son, as we know, came into the world to redeem Mary before all others, as we read in St. Bernardine of Siena. And as there are two modes of redeeming, as St. Augustine teaches, one by raising the fallen, the other by preventing from falling, doubtless the latter is the most noble. More nobly, says St. Antonius, is he redeemed who is prevented from falling, than he who is raised after falling, because in this way is avoided the injury or stain that the sin always contracts by a fall. Therefore we ought to believe that Mary was redeemed in the nobler manner, as became the mother of a god, as St. Bonaventure expresses it. For Frazen proves the sermon on the assumption to have been written by that holy doctor. We must believe that by a new mode of sanctification, the Holy Spirit redeemed her at the first moment of her conception, and preserved her by a special grace from original sin, which was not in her, but would have been in her. On this subject, Cardinal Cusano has elegantly written, Others have had a deliverer, but the Holy Virgin had a pre-deliverer. Others have had a redeemer to deliver them from sin already contracted, but the Holy Virgin had a redeemer who, because he was her son, prevented her from contracting sin. In a word, to conclude this point, Hugo of St. Victor says, The tree is known by its fruit. If the lamb was always immaculate, always immaculate must the mother also have been. Hence this same doctor saluted Mary by calling her the worthy mother of a worthy son, O digna digni, by which he meant to say that none but Mary was the worthy mother of such a son, and that none but Jesus was the worthy son of such a mother. Therefore let us say with St. Adelphinus, Give suck then, O Mary, give suck to thy creator, give suck to him who created thee, and hath made thee so pure and perfect, that thou hast merited that he should receive from thee the human nature. Third point. If, then, it became the father to preserve Mary as his daughter from sin, and the son because she was his mother, it also became the Holy Spirit to preserve her as his spouse. Mary, says St. Augustine, was the only one who merited to be called the mother and spouse of God. For, as St. Anselm affirms, the Holy Spirit came bodily upon Mary and rested in her, enriching her with grace beyond all creatures, dwelt in her, and made his spouse queen of heaven and of earth. As the saint expresses it, he was with her really as to the effect, since he came to form from her immaculate body, the immaculate body of Jesus Christ, as the archangel predicted, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. For this reason, says St. Thomas, Mary is called the temple of the Lord, the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit, because, by the operation of the Holy Spirit, she was made mother of the incarnate word. Now, if an excellent painter was allowed to choose a bride, as beautiful or as deformed as he himself might paint her, how great would be his solicitude to make her as beautiful as possible. Who then will say that the Holy Spirit has not dealt thus with Mary, and that, having it in his power to make this his spouse, as beautiful as it became her to be, he has not done so? Yes, thus it was fitting he should do, and thus he did, 
as the Lord himself attested when praising Mary. He said to her, Thou art all fair, O my love, and there is not a spot in thee. Which words, as we learn from Alapide, St. Ildelphinus, and St. Thomas, explain as properly to be understood of Mary. St. Bernardine of Siena, and St. Lawrence Justinian, also declare that the passage above quoted is precisely to be understood of her immaculate conception. Hence the idiot says, Thou art all fair, O most glorious virgin, not in part, but holy, and the stain of sin, whether mortal or venial, or original, is not upon thee. The Holy Spirit signifies the same thing, when he called this his spouse. A garden enclosed, a fountain sealed up, Mary, says St. Jerome, was properly this enclosed garden and sealed fountain, for the enemies never entered to harm her, but she was always uninjured, remaining holy in soul and body. And in like manner, St. Bernard said, addressing the Blessed Virgin, Thou art an enclosed garden, where the sinner's hand never entered to rob it of its flowers. We know that this divine spouse, loved Mary more than all the other saints and angels united, as Father Suarez, St. Lawrence Justinian, and others affirm. He loved her from the beginning, and exalted her in sanctity above all creatures, as David expresses it. The foundations thereof are in the holy mountains. The Lord loveth the gates of Sion, above all the tabernacles of Jacob. This man is born in her, and the highest himself hath founded her all which words signify that Mary was holy from her conception. The same thing is signified by what the Holy Spirit himself says in another place. Many daughters have gathered together riches, thou hast surpassed them all. If Mary has surpassed all the riches of grace, she then possessed original justice, as Adam and the angels had it. There are young maidens without number, one is my dove, my perfect one, the Hebrew reads, My uncorrupted, my immaculate. She is the only one of her mother. All just souls are children of divine grace, but among these, Mary was the dove without the bitter gall of sin, the perfect one without the stain of original sin, the one conceived in grace. The angel, therefore, before she was the mother of God, already found her full of grace, and thus saluted her. Hail, full of grace! Ave gratia plena. Commenting upon these words, Sophronius writes, that to the other saints, grace is given in part, but to the virgin it was given in fullness. So that, as St. Thomas says, grace not only made the soul, but also the flesh of Mary holy, that with it the virgin might clothe the eternal word. Now by all this we are to understand, as Peter of Chellis remarks, that Mary, from the moment of her conception, was enriched by the Holy Spirit, and filled with divine grace. Hence, as St. Peter Damian says, she being elected and pre-elected by God, was born off by the Holy Spirit for himself. Born off, as the saint expresses it, to explain the swiftness of the divine spirit, in making her his spouse, before Lucifer should take possession of her. I will at length close this discourse, in which I have been more diffused than in others, because our little congregation has for its principal protectress, the Most Holy Virgin Mary, 
precisely under this title of her immaculate conception i will close i say by declaring in a few words what are the reasons which make me certain and which as i think should make every one certain of this pious sentiment so glorious to the divine mother that she was free from original sin there are many doctors who maintain that mary was even exempt from contracting the debt of sin such as cardinal galatino cardinal cusano dupont salazar catherinus novarino viva de lugo egidius richelius and others now this opinion is very probable for if it is true that in the will of adam as head of the human race were included the wills of all as gonet haber and others hold it to be probable on the testimony of these words of st paul in whom that is adam all have sinned if this then is probable it is also probable that mary did not contract the debt of sin for god having greatly distinguished her in the order of grace from the rest of mankind it should be piously believed that in the will of adam the will of mary was not included this opinion is only probable but i adhere to it as being more glorious for my lady but then i hold it for certain that mary has not contracted the sin of adam as cardinal everard duval reynald losada viva and many others hold it for certain and even proximately definable as an article of faith as they express it i omit however the revelations that confirm this opinion especially those made to saint bridget approved by cardinal torre cremata and by four supreme pontiffs which we read in the sixth book of the above-mentioned revelations in various places but i can by no means omit to mention here the opinions of the holy fathers on this point in order to prove how uniform they have been in conceding this privilege to the divine mother saint ambrose says receive me not from sarah but from mary as an uncorrupted virgin a virgin through grace preserved pure from every stain of sin origen speaking of mary says neither was she infected by the breath of the venomous serpent and saint ephraim she is immaculate and remote from every taint of sin saint augustine meditating on the words of the angel hail full of grace says by these words he shows her to be entirely note entirely excluded from the wrath of the first sentence and restored to the full grace of benediction saint jerome that cloud was never in darkness but always in the light saint cyprian on psalm seventy seven or whoever may be the author of that treatise says neither did justice suffer the vessel of election to be open to common injuries for being far exalted above others she was a partaker of their nature but not of their sin st amphilochius also says he who created the first virgin without reproach also created the second without stain or crime sophronius therefore she is called the immaculate virgin because she was in no manner corrupted st ildelphinus it is certain that she was exempt from original sin st john of damascus to this paradise the serpent had no entrance st peter damian the flesh of the virgin received from adam was free from adam's taint of sin st bruno 
This is that uncorrupted earth which the Lord has blessed, and hence she is pure from all contagion of sin. St. Bonaventure also. Our Lady was full of preventing grace in her sanctification, namely, of grace preservative against the defilement of original sin. St. Bernardine of Siena. For it is not to be believed that the Son of God himself would choose to be born of a virgin, and assume her flesh, if she were defiled in any way with original sin. St. Lawrence Justinian. From her conception, she was prevented with blessing. So the idiot, upon those words, thou hast found grace, in venisti gratium, says, thou hast found peculiar grace, O most sweet virgin, for thou wast preserved from the original stain, etc. And many other doctors express the same. But there are two arguments which conclusively prove the truth of this opinion. The first is the universal consent of the faithful on this point. Father Egidius of the presentation asserts that all the religious orders follow the same opinion, and although in the order of St. Dominic, says a modern author, there are ninety-two writers who are of the contrary opinion, yet one hundred and thirty-six are of ours. But what should especially persuade us that our pious opinion is conformable to the common opinion of Catholics is the declaration of Pope Alexander the Seventh in the celebrated bull Solicitudo Omnium Ecclesiarum, issued in the year 1661, namely, this devotion and worship to the Mother of God again increased and was propagated, so that the universities having embraced this opinion, that is, the pious one, almost all Catholics embrace it. And, in fact, this opinion is defended by the universities of the Sorbonne, of Alcala, of Salamanca, of Coimbra, of Cologne, of Mayence, and of Naples, and by many others, in which every one who graduates binds himself by an oath to the defense of the Immaculate Mary. The learned Petavius rests his proof of the Immaculate Conception, mainly upon this argument of the common consent of the faithful. Which argument, writes the most learned bishop Julius Torni, cannot fail to convince, for, in fact, if nothing else, the common consent of the faithful renders us certain of the sanctification of Mary in the womb, and of the glorious assumption of her soul and body in heaven. Why, then, should not this same common sentiment render us certain of her immaculate conception? By another reason, still stronger than the first, we are assured of the truth of the fact that the Virgin is exempt from the original stain, namely, the festival instituted by the universal church in honor of her immaculate conception. And with regard to this, I see, on the one hand, that the church celebrates the first moment when her soul was created and infused into the body, as Alexander the Seventh declares in the bull above quoted, in which it is expressed that the church prescribes the same veneration of the conception of Mary, as the pious opinion concedes to her, which holds her to be conceived without original sin. On the other hand, I know it to be certain that the church cannot honor anything unholy, according to the decrees of the sovereign pontiffs, St. Leo and St. Eusebius. In the apostolic see, the Catholic religion has always been preserved pure from stain. And all the theologians, including St. Augustine, St. Bernard, and St. Thomas, teach the same thing. 
the latter makes use of the arguments of the festival of her birth instituted by the church to prove that mary was sanctified before birth and therefore says the church celebrates the nativity of the blessed virgin but no feast is celebrated in the church except in honor of some saint therefore the blessed virgin was sanctified in the womb now if it is certain as the angelic doctor declares that mary was sanctified in the womb because for this reason the holy church celebrates her birth why should we not then hold it for certain that mary was preserved from original sin from the first moment of her conception now that we know that in this sense the church herself celebrates the festival of it in confirmation too of this great privilege of mary it is well known what numerous and remarkable graces our lord has been pleased to dispense daily in the kingdom of naples by means of the little pictures of the virgin of the immaculate conception i could relate many that took place under the eyes of the fathers of our own congregation but i will relate only two which are truly wonderful example there came a woman to one of the houses of our little congregation in this kingdom to tell one of the fathers that her husband had not been to confession for many years and that she did not know how to bring him back to his duties for whenever she spoke to him of confession he beat her the father told her to give him a little picture of mary immaculate evening came and the woman again begged her husband to go to confession but the man being as deaf as before she gave him the picture he had no sooner received it than he said when will you take me to confession for i am ready the wife at this sudden change wept for joy in the morning he came to our church and when the father asked him how long it was since he had been to confession he answered twenty-eight years and what has brought you to confession this morning said the father father he said i was obstinate but yesterday my wife gave me a picture of the madonna and immediately i felt my heart changed so that last night appeared to me a thousand years long and i thought the day would never come when i might go to confession he made his confession with great compunction changed his life and continued for a long time to go often to confession to the same father in another place in the diocese of salerno during one of our missions there was a certain man who had a great enmity against one who had offended him one of our fathers spoke to him and exhorted him to pardon the offence father have you ever seen me at the sermon no you have not and for this reason i stay away i see that i am damned but i do not wish it otherwise i must have revenge the father made every effort to convert him but finding that he was wasting his words take he said to him this little picture of the madonna of what use said he is this picture but he took it and as if he had never refused to pardon his enemy he said to the missionary father do you wish anything more than reconciliation for that i am ready the next morning was appointed for the reconciliation but when the morning came his mind was changed and he would do nothing the father offered him another picture he did not wish for it and took it unwillingly but behold no sooner had he taken it than he immediately said let us be reconciled where is master dotty he then forgave his enemy and afterwards made his confession prayer 
ah my immaculate lady i rejoice with thee seeing thee endowed with so great purity i give thanks and make the resolution always to give thanks to our common creator for having preserved thee from every stain of sin as i certainly believe and to defend this great and peculiar privilege of thy immaculate conception i am ready and swear to give even my life if it is necessary i wish that all the world might know thee and acknowledge thee for that beautiful aurora which was always resplendent with the divine light that chosen ark of salvation safe from the common shipwreck of sin for that perfect and immaculate dove as thy divine spouse declared thee that enclosed garden which was the delight of god that fountain sealed up which the enemy never entered to trouble finally that spotless lily which thou art springing up among the thorns of the children of adam for whereas all are born defiled with original sin and enemies of god thou wast born pure all spotless and in all things a friend of thy creator let me then also praise thee as thy god himself hath praised thee when he said thou art all fair and there is not a spot in thee tota pulchra es et macula non est in te o most pure dove all white all beautiful and always the friend of god o quam pulchra es amica mei quam pulchra es o most sweet most amiable immaculate mary thou who art so beautiful in the eyes of our lord do not disdain to look with thy pitying eye upon the loathsome wounds of my soul behold me pity me heal me o powerful magnet of hearts draw also my miserable heart to thee thou who even from the first moment of thy life was pure and beautiful in the sight of god have pity on me for i was not only born in sin but after baptism i again have defiled my soul with sin will god who hath chosen thee for his child his mother and his spouse and therefore hath preserved thee from every stain refuse any grace to thee virgin immaculate you must save me i will say to thee with saint philip neri make me always to remember thee and do not forget me it seems to me a thousand years before i shall go to behold thy beauty in paradise to praise and love thee more my mother my queen my beloved most lovely most sweet most pure immaculate mary amen end of section twenty four